We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. And would you look at that? We're now halfway through the month of July. Summer is rolling right along. And before you know it, Bears camp is going to be right here in front of us. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm so excited to be back with you for another episode this week. As today's show is the second to last installment of our annual summer series, Countdown to Camp. We've previewed nearly every single player on this roster, and it's time to wrap up the Bears defense with its final preview, as today's show is all about the Bears' safeties. Here with me today to break down this position, it's my co-host, Mason West, Nicholas Moriano. He's down in New Orleans for the weekend. He'll be back next week for our quarterback preview episode. But Mason, man, glad to have you on. Excited to talk Bears' safeties. And if I remember correctly, you know, we're a tandem as well. Just like the safety. So I'm the free safety and you're the strong safety, right? Strong side all day. You know, all I do, I'll do the dairy work in the box. Unsung hero. I'm okay with it. Perfect. Hey, we have an unsung hero-ish that we'll talk about here later on in the show. Someone that I am a fan of here on this Bears defense. And Mason, to kind of kick off today's show, we have some Bears-related news here to discuss at the top. Uh, the deadline to give Allen Robinson a long-term deal has come and gone. The Bears did not find a way to get that deal done. Not a surprise. Uh, we've been kind of hearing that through the media over the last couple of weeks. And personally, you know, disappointed. But yet again, this is kind of what I saw coming. And I believe, I don't know, you saw this, uh, some wide receiver rankings just come out too. Where did you see those and where was a Rob ranked? Yeah, so ESPN did a wide receiver ranking um, basically they took surveyed 50 league executive coaches scouts players you know and then combined all the data to give a top 10 so i'm gonna read off a name and you tell me if you think alan robinson is better than that player because I mean, sure. i'm just curious Devonte adams number one no <laughs> deandre hopkins mm, yes stefan Diggs. yes Tyreek Hill. 
No, but that's just a, product, a production issue. Different type Julio of Julio Jones. Julio Jones? <sighs> Julio Jones today, Allen Robinson's better. Keenan Allen. Yeah, I still go with A-Rob. Mike Evans. Ooh, uh, I'm going to give a slight edge to Mike Evans. Michael Thomas? Yeah, I'll give a slight edge to Michael Thomas. DK Metcalf? A-Rob. And in the 10th spot, A.J. Brown. Wow, and yeah, I still believe Allen Robinson is a notch above A.J. Brown. So A-Rob snubbed? He was an honorable mention. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I don't know. If, again, this is looking from executives, coaches, scouts, players. Is that kind of where the Bears feel that A-Rob is? Do they feel the same way that they weren't willing to pay him maybe like a you know top five, top ten receiver based on those kind of things? Perhaps. And now we just got to wait, see what he does this year. The thing that's good and bad about him is he's the guy that if he gets snubbed, if you know if he feels disrespected, he's going to work harder which is good for the Bears, you know, it's not great for him, and then see what the offseason brings and see if he gets brought back. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of where we're at, kind of what we thought we were going to have as well. And I don't know, I saw PFF's ranking, and they had A-Rob fourth right after Tyreek Hill. That feels a, a little better. But regardless, Allen Robinson's going to play the 2021 season on the franchise tag, and hopefully with some better quarterback play, the Bears find whatever they're looking for out of him in order to kind of give him the money that he is asking for. And before we jump into the Bears safeties, I do need to call a, just a quick timeout to, so I can tell you just a little bit about our friends over at Manscaped. Summer's coming, and I'm just curious. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Because you're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped, they just launched our fourth-generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Complement your summer bod with the trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. It's time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold on to your goodies. So again, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-2-0 at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. All right, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will I'm sitting alongside my co-host, Mason West, and we're officially jumping into the first tier of safeties. But Mason, before I do, just give me the green light. We ready to roll? Oh, absolutely. All right, so I want to kick off this tier with Eddie Jackson, who, of course, he's going to be sporting number four this season. He's one of the players that's taking advantage of the new number flexibility in the NFL. And when you look at Jackson's career, you see some durability. He started in 62 of 64 possible games. He's had some stellar years to kind of start his career where he had eight interceptions and three touchdowns to go along with three forced fumbles and four fumble recoveries. The dude was just a turnover machine on this defense. 
but it really hasn't been the same since. Only two interceptions since 2018, none of which came last season. And he's also had some difficulty getting his hands on the ball. 21 PBUs his first two seasons and only 10 the previous two. Now, there have been some external circumstances that haven't helped him. I think he had, what, two interceptions last year that were kind of taken away. The pass rush, it hasn't been as powerful as it was a couple of years ago. And he's had to adjust to playing some new players next to him uh, for three seasons in a row. And let's just not forget, you know, on top of that, it's just so many changes. Chuck Pagano came over Sean Desai. Eddie Jackson's had to deal with a little bit of adversity, but... Is it still warranted the downtick in his quality of play? So I'm just curious, Mason, when you look back at Eddie Jackson's 2020 campaign, what do you see? What do you like? And what do you think needs some improvement? Safety is one of those really weird positions where you can be overall a very good safety, but you're so dependent on everything happening in front of you. Right. And we talked about this previously with the cornerbacks, the off the defensive line play, play is so important what are how are the linebackers doing their coverage are they passing off uh tight ends and such effectively uh what about the cornerbacks right are they settling into the let's say you're playing zone are they settling into the right zone because they have you're as the safety you have to play over the top perhaps you're playing the middle third and you notice that the corner on the other side playing the deep third isn't doing their job do you roll over and try to help over the top do you stay there it's it's really is that trickle down effect that if something starts to go wrong it falls on you with all of that being said Eddie Jackson, you were getting paid a lot of money. You need to be making more plays, right? It's just one of those things, unfortunately, that is what it is. Um, you have seen that there were some changes. Like, for example, he was brought on a blitz 14 times last year compared to one in 2018 and nine in 2019. And you see the difference there. I mean, it's Chuck Pagano versus Vic Fangio. I mean, that has to be. Vic just didn't really bring pressure in that kind of a way. So he just let Eddie Jackson chill back there. Like you said, the difference of having an Adrian Amos who was – like myself, that unsung hero, like playing in the box versus uh, who someone we're talking about later, Deshaun Gibson, who actually tended to play back a little bit. He only had six blitzes, actually, when you look at it last year. So he was playing a little bit more deep. So maybe there were just less opportunity for Eddie Jackson and something that I think he was getting a lot of flack for that I was actually all about that too. But actually, when you look at the stats, was I was talking about his missed tackle percentage. Like oh, It always seemed like he just wasn't in position, that he was missing some big tackles. When you look at it, it really isn't all that different. It was 17% in 2018, 15% in 2019, and actually only 13% of missed tackles in 2020, missing 13 total. So it wasn't that many, but it just was more at more inopportune times, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Plus, he wasn't having those big splash plays that kind of you know would make you forget about the occasional missed tackle. So to answer your question, it, it is a combination of both. Yeah, it, it is. And you talked about the missed tackling, and you mentioned it. If there were those plays to kind of counteract it, you remember the touchdowns, you remember the picks. And when you don't have those to kind of erase your memory a bit, you can really start nitpicking at some of these. I do believe, though, tackling still needs to be cleaned up. Uh, even though he's missed tackles consistently throughout his career, it's still something he should be working on and getting better at. Uh, if my calculations are correct, 41 missed tackles over his last three years. And last season, he was missing a tackle on about one-fifth of those tackle attempts. And just in terms of coverage, I know he wasn't targeted a ton, but when he was, 
Uh, he did allow the second worst pass rating for safeties with at least 365 coverage snaps. Uh, the pass rating was like 139.6. And he also allowed a completion percentage of 76%, which was the worst since his rookie season. So we did see some downtick there from Eddie Jackson, allowing 15.5 yards per catch, worst of his career, and was the 12th highest for any safety last season, but I still can't help but think that new defensive coordinator Sean Desai is really going to help Eddie Jackson's play. Uh, We can all agree that Eddie was playing his best ball under former defensive coordinator Vic Fangio, and it was really more under Chuck Pagano where we saw things get pretty vanilla, and not just for the safeties, that's the entire defense. The expectation is that Desai is going to bring back that aggressive mentality, and not only that, but I believe Desai is going to you know, get back to being creative, create some new wrinkles and disguises in coverage, something that kind of got lost during the two years over the Pagano regime. But what about you, Mason? Thoughts about just Sean Desai and his potential of being a driving force behind a bounce-back season for Eddie Jackson? So I'm going to start this by saying I am very excited for Sean Desai to be taking over as defensive coordinator. You know, there's a reason he has the nickname Professor. He's a very smart dude. He knows what he's doing. He studied under some really smart and tactful defensive coordinators. But we also have to remember that it isn't an apples-to-apples situation, right? How many times have we seen someone from the Bill Belichick coaching tree go on and not last as a head coach? Now, that is different, of course, head coach versus a defensive coordinator. If there was someone that I believe could make a transition like this and make a big impact, it'd be someone like Sean Desai. But if we put all of our eggs in that basket and not hold these players accountable as well, then we're doing them a disservice. That's a really good point as well. I really hope, though, that if Sean Desai can come here and he does want these players playing a little bit more aggressive. I know Eddie Jackson throughout this offseason was praising this promotion and saying that Sean is going to you know, hold this whole defense accountable to be playing at a higher level and bringing back some of that attitude that maybe was lost over the last couple of seasons. And on top of that, we'll talk about this player next, but I also believe it is worth noting just how much having Deshaun Gibson back is going to help Eddie Jackson. I mentioned it earlier, uh, two straight years with Adrian Amos, and then Jackson had to play with a new guy two years in a row. And now that the musical chairs at safety is over for at least another year, Jackson, he's going to have pre-established chemistry with another safety on this defense entering camp, and they can actually build off of a season playing together. And they already have a feel for one another, and I think that familiarity is going to go a long way towards helping them play faster, communicate more effectively in a game, and just have less confusion uh, along the way. I'm curious, Mason, is there anything that uh, you wanted to chip in on when it comes to the impact of Eddie Jackson having you know, a familiar face alongside him into Sean Gibson? Having that familiarity is always really important. You know, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. If you're talking about real life, how we are with friends, family, coworkers, or something like football, especially when it comes to something like football, where it's so reactionary, you have to be able to trust the person that's across from you. And you have to be able to make split second decisions. I gave the example earlier, right? That, you know, it maybe the cornerback isn't necessarily doing their job covering their deep third. You as Eddie Jackson need to be able to trust that I can still play center field and not cheat over that way. And that's, even more important when you look at the, that safety tandem. So absolutely, that should help. It was a little odd how long it took them to lock on to Sean Gibson. Like, we'll, again, we'll get there when we, we talk about him a little bit more. But, you know, is is, is there a, like a, an awkwardness there? Like, is there a bit of a fit issue or, or else would they have signed him immediately? Yeah, we'll talk about uh, Gibson here in just a few moments. Uh, I just have a few more questions about Eddie Jackson. Uh, we just talked about the benefit of having Tashawn Gibson still with them. 
But Mason, throughout my preparations, I couldn't help but wonder about the impact of losing a Kyle Fuller uh, for an Eddie Jackson as well. Because, again, you don't have to have your eyes always peeking Kyle Fuller's way back in the past. Like You can keep him on an island for the most part and trust that he's going to be able to get the job done. Of course, you're going to have some help whenever you have you know big number ones and they're streaking down the sideline. But now with Desmond Trufant potentially, Jalen Johnson, Kendall Vildor, I think that may change how the safeties even have to approach the rest of this defense and how they kind of interact and have relationships with the corners. What kind of impact would you envision a loss of Kyle Fuller having on someone like an Eddie Jackson? I mean, it's going to be huge. If you just look at how Kyle Fuller played first off, it was something I've mentioned this in previous podcasts that actually annoyed me how much he played off. But the fact that he did, he kept everything in front of him. And so you really don't have to worry about getting beat deep in that scenario unless it's supposed to be passed off. So simply by play style, is one thing. Now, on top of that, who is going to be that cornerback too? We talked about that in a previous episode too. If it's someone like a Desmond Trufant, you have no connection to him by the fact, besides the fact that you saw him play defense for the Lions, you know, twice. So there's really nothing that you can really trust there. And if you're Eddie Jackson, what about looking at, you know, someone like a Kendall Villador who hasn't really been in that starting role? You may know that person better, a little bit more of that brotherhood, being in the locker room, things like that. But you haven't logged a lot of minutes playing together, communicating together, the little head nods, the hand signals that you're going to do. So that is absolutely a big part of this. Yeah, it is. And I think that's something as we go through training camp, and preseason and early on this year and whoever earns that starting corner role kind of keeping an eye on if he is causing issues for someone like an Eddie Jackson and the rest of the safeties uh, one final question uh, about Eddie Jackson before we move on uh, we've talked about you know a few reasons why Eddie Jackson should be returning to form but Mason do you expect it what type of season do you believe is in store for Jackson and why I think there's going to be a bit of a a regression to the mean that, you know, he had that amazing 2018 and a pretty down 2020 that there's there. The truth always lies somewhere in the middle that this might just be who he is as a person. And that actually connects to something that was said in that ESPN ranking when they did safeties An NFC executive said he has a very good trait with his ability to take the ball away. Good, not great athlete, lacks special top end speed, and he's been inconsistent as a tackler not the most physical. That sounds relatively typical. It's not the most embellishing of descriptions. You, you would hope that you, you, know, you want a little bit better than that, but that might just be who he is. He's someone that ball hawks really well, and but he needs everything to be right in front of him to be able to do that. Now, Eddie has to back up a lot of what he's saying. I mean, you know, he's putting on Instagram and Twitter a lot of, a lot of smack right now. If you look at his pinned tweet, it's, you know, I take all this-ish personal good. You should take it personally. You had zero interceptions last year. I don't care that two got taken away. Step up, man. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think we do need to expect him to step up, uh, hold him accountable to that high standard. Maybe not 2018 standard, but getting paid like he's getting paid, he needs to be one of those top safeties in the league, not giving up a pass rating of 140, not allowing 78% of passes completed against him, and not missing you know one-fifth of his tackle attempts. Those are all things that cannot happen again Uh, I trust that Eddie Jackson with that chip on his shoulder, maybe some of that disrespect can turn into some fuel and motivation for him to play better. And with that, we will see how it all shakes out for the former All-Pro. But let's move on and let's take a look at the other returning starter, someone who I gave my underrated Bear Award back in January for his play last season. And that's going to be Deshaun Gibson. 
Gibson finished the season with two interceptions to go along with three PBUs. He's entering his 10th season in the NFL, and he now has 120 career starts underneath his belt. Those two picks last season was his sixth year with multiple interceptions. His 66 combined tackles were good for the second most in his career. And even though Gibson didn't have what I'll call a, quote, career year or anything like that, when I reflect on his 2020, I'm still very pleased with what I see. He allowed the second lowest pass rating on the team behind Kyle Fuller, and his 27 snaps per reception allowed was also the second best for Chicago. And not only was Gibson tallied against the pass, but he's also very good in run support, a top 15 safety in the NFL with exactly 15 run stops. So Mason, I think it's evident that I'm excited and that I'm glad that Deshaun Gibson is back for another go in Chicago, but how about you? Are you looking forward to another year of Gibson in this defense, and why or why not? I am, and that's why I was really surprised, like I said earlier, that it seemed like you know the Bears drug their feet a little bit bringing him back in. Now, we don't know. Maybe that was him. Maybe he was really saying, like, oh, I deserve more money than the Bears are willing to pay me right now. So you know, we don't know what the full story is. But I thought he did a really good job. You know, he made some splash plays, which were awesome. He had two interceptions, like you said. Uh Tackling was pretty sure. I mean, he only missed three tackles with 4.3%, which was pretty fantastic. It's weird, though. If you follow the money, which usually speaks so true, he had signed a $1.83 million deal, 1.3 of that guaranteed. But if you look and compare that to some of the other safeties on this team, Bush, he had a $1.5 million with 750000 guaranteed. And DeAndre Houston Carson was at $1.127 mil with about a little over 900000 guaranteed. So they're all kind of in the same ballpark. So your starting safety, right, is currently making a titch more than your two backups who are ultimately your backups. So I think that does speak to how the Bears feel a bit about him, which is surprising considering how solid he was last year. Yeah, and the fact it took so long and apparently he didn't get an offer somewhere else that he thought was worth maybe going you know, elsewhere. And I'm glad that even though he's not getting paid a lot of money. He's someone that is still coming here to Chicago and wanting to play in this defense. And it's excited to be back as well. And when I look at Gibson, you know, I noted a few things that he did well. Uh, I failed to mention just how well of a solid, solid tackler he is. Only six misses last year. And his 8.3% miss rate was the 13th lowest of 64 safeties that played on 550 or more snaps. Are there any concerns to Gibson's game that you're kind of thinking through as we're entering this season. Uh, I know when we brought him in last year, something that intrigued me but also worried me uh, is the fact that he's on a true box safety. He's played in both positions uh, pretty well throughout his career. Uh, He's played in, I think, six different defenses, and he's played both free and strong depending on whatever the defensive coordinator really asked of him. And I feel like that interchangeability can be both a blessing and a curse for the Bears. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right there. It's it's odd to have... Basically, they're playing the same position. They're both free safeties that they're asked to play strong safety more often. And that's one of the reasons why when we were doing some of our uh, mock drafts earlier in the year that I was saying I wanted them to draft another safety and someone who was more in-the-box guy. Um, if, if you look, Dion Bush, we'll talk about him, was used a little bit in that big nickel, which you do kind of when you don't have a true strong safety, someone that you can really stick their nose in there. I think that really hurts them just not being able to have that person that's going to come down and help on that run support more consistently. And you saw that when you, when Adrian Amos left, right? I mean, Adrian Amos was the perfect partner for Eddie Jackson. So it's not Gibson's fault. It's just, you have 
two squares when you need a square and a circle. Ooh, that's a really good analogy. I, I like that. We have two squares in the back of this Bears defense. Is there anything that you want Gibson to kind of clean up or work on when you reflect? I feel like he was just pretty solid all the way around. Nothing was glaring for me. And again, entering his 10th season, I feel like we get what we get when it comes to Sean Gibson. I tried to find something that I was like, you, this needs to be better, even just to nitpick. And there really wasn't a lot. Like you said, it was just solid all across the board. Uh, maybe to be able to get his hands on some more balls, you know, break that for a sound clip. But other than that, I mean, just keep doing what he's doing. Hey, there we go. Uh, I'm going to write that down here on my notepad. But before I do, I just want to mention, too, that Sean Desai is excited uh, to have Gibson around. I know last season uh, he kept talking him up in a few interviews that Sean Desai had and just kept mentioning, you know, Gibson's confidence, his willingness and eagerness to just learn this defense, and just rereading some of the things that were said like last October, last November. It just gets me a little bit more excited about what a year or two for Tashawn Gibson can be in this defense. Again, he's had years where he's had five, six interceptions as well, but as Mason, you mentioned with Eddie Jackson, that regression to the mean a bit, he only had two, but two is a solid number for someone who's you know, your second safety technically in this defense. I take it. Preferably we can get, like you said, maybe a few more PVUs, pass breakups, more turnovers. But again, Gibson's a very solid, not spectacular player. And right now I'm okay with exactly that being the case. All right, let's move on to tier number two, which I am dubbing familiar backups. And let's kind of begin this tier by looking at a player that was in the running for a starting spot this time a year ago. And even though he didn't win it, this player brings a ton of value to this defense. And that's the now six-year pro, Dion Bush. Uh, you don't see him on the field too much. He's only seen about 5% roughly of the defensive snaps the last two years. But in those limited looks last year, he did come away with a pick. And he allowed a completion percentage of only 50% and a passer rating of only 236 now, of course, those numbers can easily look good when you get one interception. You had like six targets the entire season go your way, and you only allowed three receptions. But Dion Bush, you know, uh, he is someone that's always been available for us. He's played in 65 games since entering the league, and he's a good option to put in when the Bears, as Mason mentioned, want to bring in an extra DB in the field when going into like a dime or a big nipple type of formation. So, Mason, when it comes to Dion Bush, do you believe that he's a valuable depth type of player in this defense here in 2021? He's someone that I feel like he's gotten a couple opportunities to knock on a door for a starting spot. Hasn't been able to secure one, so he's kind of stuck in this reserve backup role. Uh, I think that's what he's going to be at this stage of his career. But I also feel like there's some good value in that and having someone on your team, in your defense, that knows it inside and out like a Dion Bush, but... Do you still see the value here this season? So if you close your eyes and listen closely, you can hear Nick talking about how important Dion Bush is since he's <laughs> one of his favorite players. But in all seriousness, he, he's just, again, this is kind of, every time I do a group, I try to think of a word to encompass each player and then the group as a whole. And I kept coming back to just solid for the group. And Dion Bush, I felt like, was the penultimate definition of solid. But again, he comes in. It's not like there's... Nothing significantly crazy what he does. Like He only played 6% of snaps last year. Like you said, with that one reception, two passes defended, and had 10 total tackles. I mean, that's what else do you really want him to do on 6% of snaps? Um, you would like – he gets taken advantage of a little bit by tight ends. It's You know, he gave up 50% completions, but 
really small sample size. It was only about six completion, uh, six passes we're talking about here, but he had 43% of his snaps of the special team snaps. So definitely important role there. And you have to be, if you're going to be that third or even fourth safety, he's just there. He's, he fills the hole when needed, right? It's not like the safeties get tired consistently. So you need to sub in a safety. Um, heaven forbid, there is an injury that happens. I mean, we saw that when Eddie Jackson went down, unfortunately back in 2018 and, you know, individuals had to step in you noticed he was that eddie wasn't there but it, you weren't pulling your hair out like freaking out that he wasn't there like there weren't a ton of huge plays in that eagles game where you knew 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 for sure that oh man we're missing eddie jackson it was it's a weird middle that Deion bush can fill yeah and Going back, again, you want to look at this group as a whole, and that's what we're doing here as we're previewing the position. Maybe that's part of the blessing of a Tashawn Gibson, right? The interchangeability a bit, because if something does happen to an Eddie Jackson, then you have Gibson, who's more maybe you know more of a free safety than a strong safety, so can go play that Eddie Jackson role. And then you have Deion Bush that can go in there and be your box guy, be that strong safety one. Now, of course, Desai might not have that versatility that he did have prior, but at least you have two guys that can fill each role pretty well, respectively. Uh, but you mentioned it, Deion Bush, not on the field a lot last year. If I remember correctly, we saw more early compared to the end of the season. And a lot of that was due to just Danny Trevathan and his struggles in coverage and the Bears trying to find a solution to just stop the bleeding there. And that's why they opted to take Danny off the field to bring on someone else who's better in coverage like a Deion Bush. And we'll see how much the Bears want to actually tap into the package that is the Deion Bush one this year. But Whatever it is, it's probably not going to be much more than what we saw a year ago. I want to go ahead and move forward, and let's take a look at Bush's 2016 draft class comrade, someone who has been seeing a little bit more playing time on defense than ever before, and that's DHC, DeAndre Houston Carson. He saw 91 snaps on defense, which blew his previous career high of 41 completely out of the water, and I... You know, I presume fans too, but myself included. I love about those limited looks. What I do, it's just the fact that he made the most of them. Heck, he did his best. I'm going to call it a Mike Brown impression by sealing back-to-back wins with that PBU against Tom Brady on that fourth down. And then the following week, intercepting Teddy Bridgewater to put that game on ice. DHC, he's been a career special teamer, but I think he proved last season that throughout all of those years, you know, waiting deep on the depth chart, he was still active and engaged in that defensive back room. And he's just, last year, I can call him Johnny on the spot. So Mason, what did DHC uh, show you last year that gives you confidence that, you know, he can be serviceable on defense in, I'm going to call specific circumstances don't think we want to rely on him, you know, in place of a starter full time. I think, you know what I mean? I'm trying to be kind on how I phrase this yeah it's funny I was going to bring up those two exact plays plays you mentioned the Buccaneers and the Panthers plays because when I think DHC last year those are the two that immediately come to mind it was just hey he stepped up when he needed to and that's what you get out of a third fourth or arguably interchangeable safety what else do you really want in that scenario again he isn't really playing a lot of snaps on defense He's going to fill most of that role on special teams, 82% of special team snaps, which is huge, especially when we've talked about in that special teams episode how many individuals were leaving that were kind of stalwarts in there. He does exactly what he needs to do. He comes in, he makes a play, he goes and sits on the bench and he chills. Like, what else do you, what else do you really want from the guy? Yeah, exactly. That's literally about it when it comes to DHT. Again, usually he'll appear on maybe 1% of defensive snaps per season. It's nothing at all. What he did last year, though, 
and what I was just, I guess, proud to see, because he's been around for a long time and just doesn't get a lot of opportunity, is that he kind of filled in that Sherrick McManus role that we saw in 2018. You know, someone that came out there, that extra defender and opposing quarterback, see that new guy. I mean, heck, Tom Brady saw number 36 out there and immediately was like, oh, I got to go pick on that guy. And he was able to break that pass up. And then the following week, Teddy Bridgewater made the same exact mistake. And that's really best case scenario for us. If the HC's out there and a quarterback wants to give him a test and he's out there giving it his all and being right in the, in the right spot and knowing his read, knowing what he needs to do, and he ends up making good play, and then I think that's an extra bonus uh, along the way. So that's really uh, DHC, unless, Mason, you have a tremendous amount of additional analysis that I just was not prepared for. Not specifically DHC, but kind of the the depth as a whole here. It's We talked about this a little bit before the show started. It's almost a little frustrating because you always want competition, and as of right now, especially as we're talking, I'm sure you know the chat and those who are listening – can feel that there's not there's not competition. You know the two that are starting, and then after this, it's just there's some of these other people. While DeAndre Houston, Carson, Deion Bush, they're solid. You almost just wish there was this one of them was really pushing like Gibson, for, you know, challenging that other safety spot, and we're just not getting that. Yeah, and this is a, a team that's been really kind of uh, trying to create competition throughout all their positions, and out of all of them this one probably does feel the most lacking at least from someone pushing a starter i think the back end of the depth chart here for safety they're all kind of battling and it's a good one but there's no one that's pushing any of the top two guys uh, on top of that i saw in the chat cliff said he wouldn't compare dhc to mike brown and i think i would agree but if memory serves me correctly there was a stretch like the 2004 2005 season uh, where mike brown sealed back-to-back games with an interception so i was saying he did his best mike brown impersonation just due to that fact just want to make sure it's clear uh, i i've watched bears defenses enough to know the difference of a mike brown and the defense in a, a deandre houston carson all right, so we have uh, one more tier to go, and just two more players as well, small group. Uh, so tier three, it's going to be dubbed uh, the rest, and we have two players here in the final tier. Uh, we have Marquis Christian, who has 56 games of experience since entering the league as a fifth-round pick in 2016, and after four years with the Rams, uh, the Bears signed him last summer. Actually, this got really weird. So the Bears signed him, uh, and then the Jets decided that they're going to poach him off the practice squad. Well, before actually, let's go back even one step further. Early on, last offseason, 2020, Marquis Christian signed with the Jets, but then they couldn't get to final terms on a contract, so he was like, I'm going to look elsewhere. Signs with the Bears. Goes on the Bears practice squad. Jets decide to sign him. They keep him around for a bit, cut him. Then the Bears decide, you know what? We're going to bring Marquis Christian back. He went back in the practice squad, and that's where he sat for the rest of the year. Uh, in Marquis Christian's previous two seasons, though, he saw about one-third of the defensive snaps and 78% of special team snaps for Wade Phillips and the Rams in what I would call a hybrid safety linebacker role, so like a jackbacker. And then there's also Jordan Lucas, who's been a primarily a special teams player throughout his career. He's appeared in 49 career games, uh, four starts in 2018 for Kansas City. He signed with the Bears last offseason, but he opted out due to COVID. And when you just look at his career, only three PBUs and one interception. And he's only averaged about 3% of defensive snaps per season. So most of his value in his career has came on special teams, where he's seen about 50% of those snaps in his active seasons. So Mason, we've done plenty of Countdown to Camp episodes. You know the question. Who do you like out of this duo and why? 
Uh, Marky Christian has the best hair. So if we're going by that, he wins. But if we're going by who actually has a higher chance to make the roster, I would have to go with Jordan Lucas on that simply due to, you know, being in Kansas City for two years, right? There's just that little bit of a connection there. Um, I really think he had a chance to last year. If he hadn't opted out, he really could have pushed maybe DHC for that final safety role. Um, the Bears clearly were looking for that too later in the year as, you know, Marky Christian did get elevated for the wild card game. He did get, you know, he had one snap on defense and a couple on special teams. So, you know, they needed that extra person there, you know, I, I think Lucas did himself a little bit of a disservice. This is one of those times where opting out, I think, kind of hurt him because he really could have sustained a role. Um, so reports are from Hub Arkush that he's going to be pushing for a gunner role specifically this year. So that'll be really interesting, especially with Cordero Patterson not being here anymore. Um, he was so good at that job. You know, refs were calling penalties because his hit was just perfectly timed and apparently the human eye couldn't detect it from the field. So there's a chance he pushes it. It really is going to boil down to, um, by him, I mean Jordan Lucas, it's really going to boil down to, you know, those other positions. Are, are you going to keep like a fifth safety instead of a fifth running back? Those kinds of things. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because in years past, the Bears have carried about five safeties a season. But when you look at the corner depth and how that's kind of shaking out, running back, as you mentioned, heck, next week we talk quarterbacks. Are they going to have to keep three? And if so, how does that where does that roster spot go? So it gets real interesting how the Bears are going to kind of adjust the second half of the depth chart for safety because they have to have special teams presence, number one, but also you need to trust them enough to jump in and play if needed, which is why my gut reaction maybe leans towards a marquee Christian just because he's had more experience playing in defenses. Uh, again, over two years in the Rams, his previous two seasons there, he played on one-third of those defensive snaps, again, in those sub-packages, but he is someone that at least Wade Phillips trusted on defense, and I know when you look at Jordan Lucas, it took a lot for him to actually get on the field over there in Kansas City. But special teams-wise, maybe Jordan Lucas does have a, a slight edge there too. So it's an interesting battle. There's not a lot you can really draw on from any guy in terms of what they provide this defense. It's really going to maybe come down to who has the best special teams impact and also weighing the risk-reward of who would you rather have out there in a pinch uh, situation. So, Mason, is there anything else on these two that you wanted to mention before we kind of predict who makes the team? Well, and after you saying that, I do like the idea of someone like a Marky Christian doing that jackback role, as with someone like John Desai, who in, in theory has, he's the person that like that mad scientist, I would think that you give him all these pieces and see what comes out of it. Like, you can find someone to be a gunner. You can find someone to make a tackle on kickoff. You may not be able to find someone as easily that can play a hybrid role like Christian was able to do under Wade Phillips. So that might be an interesting experiment. Yeah, it would be. And again, once you get to camp, how are they deploying? Where are they playing these guys? And in preseason too, maybe that's where some of these players can start separating themselves with how they actually perform on defense in some of these preseason games. So Mason, how many safeties do you have making the team? I have four. You have four. I went with five because I have to do my final 53 man and I know I'm probably already over. So we're going to go with five now. I can have an extra name and then next week we will clean house just a, a, a little bit. So I'm assuming you have Eddie Jackson, Deshaun Gibson, Dion Bush, DHC. Is that it? Yep. Those are my four. I, I figured as such, I'm sneaking in Marquis Christian just a little bit. There's a reason why the Bears... A, brought him in the first time and thought so highly of him to bring him in again after uh, the Jets decided to cut him 
Uh, again, I don't know what they're seeing, but they see something. And I feel like to give them another go and to bring him in and to give him another contract for this season, I think it's telling that they want to keep him around. Maybe he's another practice squad guy, um, but for right now, I'll have him making the team. As you were describing Marky Christian's path last year with, you know, on the Jets, not on the Jets, on the Bears, on the Jets, it, and you know me, I'm that fantasy football guy. It made me think of that person who just can't stop tweaking their roster, that final spot, and they're freaking out about, like, the fifth receiver that never is really going to play. I kind of Marky Christian's kind of that guy where it's like, I mean, yeah, they, they wanted him on the team, but was it simply because he was in their camp and they needed a body versus like, we need Marky Christian for a real role. Ooh, I, I like how you phrased that. We will find out soon enough. And maybe with a year in this defense to learn it and then getting out there this preseason, maybe he shows that he should be sticking around over someone else like a Jordan Lucas. We will find out soon, but Mason, I'm excited because now it's time for us to get to our one of our final segments, and it's time to play a little bit of over-under. So my first over-under, I'm going to set the bar at three interceptions for Eddie Jackson. Remember, he had the big old goose egg a year ago. Three INTs for Eddie Jackson. You going to take the over or the under? Uh, I have a bold prediction later that forces me to say this is a push. Ooh, okay. A push for you. I'm going to take the under at two, which is what he could have had last season if those penalties didn't take him away. Uh, hopefully he can get higher than that, but I'm trying to set my expectations low so he can exceed them, and I feel happier uh, about what he does next season. So I'll put it at two for now. Uh, the next over-under, how about eight PBUs for Eddie Jackson? Uh, five last year. Can he get a few more? Uh, that one I'll take over. Uh, if you look at you know the high season he had, which I believe was like 15 or 16 without looking at my notes directly, I think he's just going to regress to the mean. Five was a little low. That 15, 16 was a bit too high. Eight sounds almost like a perfect number. You know, We have been talking about how the pass rush should be better. We've talked about how the linebackers should be relatively solid. That should force a couple more balls to maybe not be as perfectly placed by opposing quarterbacks, allowing for a pass breakup. I'm very much in agreement with you. I'm going to say the over as well. I'm going to give him 10. Uh, sounds like a good, solid middle number uh, that you kind of mentioned as well. Uh, the next over under, how about two interceptions for Tachan Gibson? Same amount that he had last year. Does he get any more than that? Does he cut in half? What are you going to do? I'm going to say over, but hold my specific number for a little bit. Um, I think it's going to be over another year in the system. I think as we talked about earlier, Sean Desai is going to play some chess with him as this guy that just makes a lot of opportunities, putting him in the right place. So over. Over. I'm taking the over two. I'll give him a solid three or four. He's had, again, six seasons with at least two. And with another year for everything that you mentioned, no reason why he can't get a little bit more. And to round out the starters here, actually, I have one more, so I lie. Uh, we got four PBUs for Tachan Gibson. Only three of those last year. I'm going to take the over. Uh, he gets at least six this season. How about you? Uh, I'm going to take the over as well for the same reason I just said for the interceptions. I feel like he is going to be used in a way that really, you know, the most to his skills puts him in the perfect position to be able to get more hands on balls. That's like the third time I've said that this podcast. And we're really going to have to just make a montage uh, of those sound bites for you. Oh, that's great. I'm sure that everyone's going to love that. <laughs> All right. One last over under 135 total tackles for Tachan Gibson and Eddie Jackson. The number last year combined was 128. So trying to use that extra game into account, 
135. And again, maybe if there's better play up front, they don't need to be used as much. So there's a lot of different factors that go into it. Are you going to take the over or under? For that exact reason you actually said, I'm going to take the under. I just think more plays are going to be stopped in front of them, and you're not going to see as many of the Eddie Jackson rolling his shoulder down and hoping that he just hits the legs out from a tight end streaking up the field. Okay. I, I like it. I'm going to take the under two at about 130. Uh, again, we I hope that they don't need to be nearly as active uh, as they were a year ago. And uh, if that's the case, we're probably in for some really good defensive play. Uh, if the linebackers are cleaning things up before it even gets to that third level of the defense. So, Mason, it's time to do a couple true or falses. My first true or false for you. DeAndre Houston Carson, he will have more defensive snaps than Deion Bush for the second straight season. False. Uh, I just, Deion Bush just keeps hanging around, but in a different way than DeAndre Houston Carson. DeAndre Houston Carson is there consistently as that, just that little filler role. But Deion Bush keeps making these little, little pop sparkly plays that you're like, Oh, that was kind of cool. Oh, that was actually really interesting. So, you know, at some, I think it's going to start to click for him, especially again, we keep putting a lot on Sean Desai's plate right now, but the guy like that can really take advantage of his skills. Okay. I'm going to take true on this one. Uh, just because I don't know, I'm following a pattern here and this is the first time ever last year. And these two were drafted the same year. Uh, and DHC never played more defensive snaps than Deion Bush. And last year it changed. And Sean Desai is, you know, the former safeties coach. So maybe there's something about it, or maybe Chuck Pagano really liked DHC. I don't know. Uh, but whatever reason it is, I'm going to say for some weird reason, DHC will see more defensive snaps than a DM Bush. I, again, for me, I don't know if that makes complete sense, but let's see what happens. And the final true or false question for us, even though he said on the practice squad last season, I said Marquis Christian can play more than 10% of the defensive snaps and be a stud on special teams. And you didn't have him on your final roster, which I knew was a risk when I made this one. So I already know your answer. Yeah, I'm going to definitely say false on that. And if they needed another safety, I still feel that Jordan Lucas would be the one that was pulled up. Okay, I'm going to say false as well. I thought 10% was a little high, uh, and that's just kind of where I'll leave it at that. Two fill in the blanks for us here. First one, Eddie. if Eddie Jackson returns to his 2018 form, it will most likely be due to blank. Pass rush. That was it's just simple. Pass rush is the any defensive back's best friend. I'll say Khalil Mack. Uh, I'll change it up just a little bit just because of Khalil Mack. Robert Quinn, not so much. Uh, again, we can get pass rush from multiple players on this defense, but uh, if I had to be a little bit more specific here, let's go with Khalil Mack. And then the last fill in the blank, the number one concern that you have for the Bears' safeties entering camp is blank. Missed tackles. Uh, while the numbers aren't as horrendous as I thought they were going to be to – but they're just you, – you have to pass the eye test still. And the eye test was just not good for specifically Eddie Jackson. And he needs to be able to make those tackles. And if he's not, you can't just be sitting back and chilling and hoping for the best. And then you can't, you know, be – when you finally get a pass breakup, being all up in the receiver's face and, you know, trying to celebrate when you just missed two tackles on the last drive. So you, you got to wrap up. You really do. I think my number one concern uh, is going just going to lie with, I don't know if I have one word to fill in this blank, but it's going to be 
can Sean Desai tap into Eddie Jackson's potential like we saw before? Uh, that's kind of my big concern just because we haven't seen it. I'm very hopeful. Uh, if you listen to this episode, I think, you know, I'm very hopeful it can happen, but also until you see it happen, uh, I think there's some right to still be a little wary, a, a little concerned. And the fact that's my number one concern, I think is a good thing. Cause again, this group is pretty solid, uh, overall. All right, Mason, let's jump into our bold predictions that you've been teasing us uh, about here throughout the final portion of our episode. What's going to be your bold prediction for the Bears' safeties? Uh, listeners can probably tease out what my one's going to be considering what I had said earlier. But And it's funny, I actually wrote this specifically down. Putting a lot of stock in Sean Desai, Eddie Jackson finds the median with three interceptions while Gibson gets four interceptions and doubles Eddie Jackson's passes defended. I like it. That's bold, and that would be a tremendous uh, achievement for the Bears that can do that. Uh, I had two. One of them slightly outdoes yours. I had 10 total picks between Jackson and Gibson. Uh, I didn't have an exact split. I had to do one on the spot, six for Eddie and four for Tashawn. And then my other one, four total touchdowns for safeties. I thought that was just crazy bold, like extra sand serif, extreme bold, 900-weighted font type of bold Jeez, that almost blows my uh, quarterback bold prediction for next week out of the water you already have one ready oh yeah i've had this for like five, five weeks you kidding me <laughs> I, I love it i love the preparedness uh, that you're going to be coming into next week's episode with we'll tease that one uh here very <laughs> soon but before we do uh one final thing that we need to do before we wrap up here is Give out our confidence meter. We've talked about a fair amount of concerns, uh, a fair amount of reasons for optimism, and some in-between along the way. So when you put it all together, Mason, what is or where is your confidence meter for the Bears' safeties? So I said earlier, you know, I always try to find a word that fits the group, and I said solid. So for me, when I look at that confidence meter, five is right in the middle you're at least average. So that's where you have to start with this. So I went a slightly higher with that to a 6.8. While I'm, they're going to get the job done. You know, you're, you're not super worried that all of a sudden a game is going to be blown because of an issue with one of these safeties or even potentially the depth that's there. I am still worried about the downward trajectory we've seen from Eddie Jackson and it, whether it was stemming all from the ankle injury he had at the end of that 2018 season or if it's just simply, again, regression to the mean. Tashawn Gibson, very solid. And he's had some pretty solid years, but those were previously solid years, right? He hasn't really had that currently. So for me, it's just, there's not a lot to be excited about either. There's not a rookie waiting in the wings. There's not the Pro Bowl player that's sitting there, you know, like we've talked about for some of our other positions, you know, the Akeem Hickses of the world, the Khalil Max, things like that. There's a lack of excitement, a lack of competition. And I think that lack of competition sometimes breeds, you know, just staying status quo. Yeah. Stagnant uh, a little bit here, right? Not no new faces. Everyone that we've talked about have been here before. They didn't do any influx of talent throughout this off season uh, here at the position. I'm a little higher than you. I'm at about a 7.5. You know, Eddie Jackson, I expect him to play with a big chip on his shoulder, be more aggressive and Sean Desai should help. And also having that tandem of a Gibson, that comfort level, I also think is going to help boost some of that productivity. And Gibson himself, as I mentioned, he's an underrated, solid starting safety. He's proven. And then the depth, it's good, not great. 
And it, so just with all that, I think 7.5 feels like a good C, right? C, C plus, depending on how you're looking at it. So that's kind of where I'm at now. If we can get back to what we saw at Eddie Jackson a few years ago, obviously that really starts to move this up very quickly. Um, but until we do, I, I, you got to be a little reserved here. So I'm sitting at about a 7.5, and I'm hopeful that by the end of this season, we can look back and feel like that was a foolish low number, at least for both Mason uh, and myself when it's all said and done. But again, though, after next year, most of these safeties are up for a contract again, besides Eddie Jackson. So that could all change here in a hurry, too. Mason, is there anything that you wanted to kind of chime in with to kind of close out the show? No, not really. I mean, I think the tone of the show, I think, is pretty obvious. It's just a very, you know, like I said, it's just a very, like, this is what we have. You know, <laughs> this is this is what exists currently for the Bears safeties. And it's such a fall from grace from where it was in 2018 when it was running so high with, like, Eddie Jackson, I feel like, was, at least for me, like, the captain of that club dub vibe that there was. And we don't there just isn't that feeling you don't have that club dubness with the safeties and things like that versus some of these other positions there is these little sparks here and there that you're excited about so just truly hoping that you know that can get reversed that can get flipped uh i will say you know if you take a peek you know uh, instagram is a, a great place to see uh for example eddie jackson doing some crazy nice workouts uh dr michael tellreiser he's a great follow on a chiropractor on Instagram. Um, he's putting the work in. He is. So there's, it's what I would have had a football player do to overcome some of the issues that I think we saw with Eddie Jackson. So there's, there, there's that. <laughs> Just that. I think out of every position on this team, inside linebacker and safety are the only two that you get concerned about, like an influx of youth or like someone yeah. that's real exciting in the wings. Every other position, I can name one or two players that get me real excited about the potential of the future. But when you think about safety outside of Eddie Jackson, like what's going to happen? We've been asking the Bears to draft a safety for years, and they haven't done it. And then same thing with inside linebacker, too. So just wanted to at least throw that out there because you were going, and I was like trying to go through my head because like, you're right. It, the tone of this show has just been more matter-of-factly uh, than one of pure enthusiasm that we've had like in previous episodes. Like the running back one on Tuesday, we were like – Heads over heels of Damian Williams. And then you have, you know, Khalil Herbert. And then today is like, well, DHC and Dion Bush and Jordan Lucas. It's a little bit of a different tune. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. Mason, are you proud or embarrassed or somewhere in between that we didn't make a full hour, even though you and I talked for over an hour on Bear Special Teams? I think I'm proud of how we did with the Special Teams one. And saddened by the fact that we couldn't get enough on the, on the safeties. Yeah. Well, special teams does have some more nuances to it. They talk about the return game and core special teamers. This one's just more two starters and backups. So it did make our job a little bit more difficult, but still uh, getting near this hour mark. I feel proud that we're able to do that without getting, you know, ragging on previous play too much, finding good reasons for optimism for the future without setting the expectations super sky high. So, so I thought we did a really good job of keeping this where it needed to go. Um, but let's true. go ahead and let's call that an episode. Uh, thank you to everyone for watching or listening to the show. We really appreciate you all. Don't forget to leave a review of our show over on Apple Podcasts. We're only 10 away uh, from reaching our goal of 700. And more importantly, sending out a free Bears jersey to one lucky listener. Help us reach more Bears fans like us, like you, by leaving a review over on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back 
next Tuesday night for the stream and Wednesday morning for the podcast with our final episode of Countdown to Camp for 2021. It's the grand finale, and it's going to be our preview of the Chicago Bears quarterbacks. Will Andy Dalton be the starter week one? And if so, what should we expect from the vet? Is Nick Foles actually going to make the final roster? And of course, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, Justin Fields. We'll discuss the current state of the Bears quarterbacks in just a few days, but until then, bear down, Chicago. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 